Hello and welcome to episode 139 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. I am joined by fellow co-founder Evan Silva. Today, we will be going team by team through each NFL franchise talking about important week 12 takeaways, waiver wire guys, role changes, look ahead to week 13 and anything else. Evan, how was your Thanksgiving? Welcome back to Chicago. What's going on? Yeah, I had a great Thanksgiving. It was a wild, wild week with like lots of travel and lots of family and, you know, lots of COVID and injuries. And I mean, it was it was jam packed, man. Um, but we are uh, we're rounding the the home stretch here mm-hmm. and uh, trying to keep keep tabs on all this, all, all, all these injuries and COVID stuff. I mean, I, I it's never been like this before, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it's been a, a, an absolutely wild season. Games getting moved around, and but uh, you know we're, we're we're here for it all. Yeah, exactly. And I actually like these these kind of slates. I know it, it takes a lot more time. It takes a lot more effort. But you know we're obviously up for it. And so I know you guys listening to this are as well. We'll talk about the Will Fuller thing when we get to Houston. That was obviously a gut punch. And um, yeah, I'm so tilted. I I, I went off on it uh, during the solo pod today. If you guys have a chance. To listen to that, I just can't. I I can't. So, but anyways, we'll talk about that in a minute. Before we get to today's show, we do have a sponsor for this podcast. If you can actually believe that, someone wants to sponsor this very professional, very well-organized show. It is underdogfantasy.com. The game that everyone is playing is called Battle Royale. It's a combination of DFS and best ball. Really simple. Draft a six-player roster in a snake draft, but it's a GPP-style tournament for just one week. So you're going to have strategy. It's only a six-round draft. We're not going to go too deep into the player pool, but we do want to get some guys off the board. We do want to think about correlation and stacking just like we would in DFS because we want to get to top. We want to get first place. You can get in for $5. First place is 4000 After you deposit, mention on the pop-up, you heard about Underdog on ETR, and you'll be eligible for some of that sweet, sweet ETR swag that you have seen. Again, underdogfantasy.com. Make sure to enter promo code ETR after you make your first deposit. Okay, reminder, this podcast is free, of course. The NFC version will be premium. If you have not signed up yet, go ahead to the site. We are running a rest of season sale. Go to the subscribe page. Let's get to it with the AFC, Evan, and we're going to skip through the Ravens because their game is actually Wednesday at 340, and part of what Evan was alluding to at the beginning is this game is just like the poster boy. I mean, I'm so over this game. I don't even care about this game anymore. Just just end this week because we can't even turn all our stuff over, all the projection stuff, all the rest of the season top 150, defense first position. We can't even turn it all over until this game is played, and now they're playing this game Wednesday at 340. Anyways, if you're interested in showdown for that game, I am doing a show on our YouTube channel with Leone later on on Tuesday afternoon. It's free. No Lamar Jackson, no Mark Andrews, no Willie Sneed. J.K. Dobbins is going to play. Mark Ingram expected to play. But yeah, excited for it to see Robert Griffin III at least. But by the time you guys listen to this, the game will already be played. So we're going to go ahead and skip that. Let's go to the Buffalo Bills. And yeah, John Brown, man. John Brown may be done, sadly. I mean, they put John Brown on IR. Ankle injury seems really bad. Gabe Davis played 60 out of 61 snaps against the Chargers. 14 of them in the slot. Only saw four targets, but a solid 16% share because in this game, Josh Allen way under expectation in terms of attempts. Josh Allen only threw it 24 times, averaged 36 on the season. What did you see out of the Bills kind of easy win against Justin Herbert? And what do you think about Gabe Davis's rest of season outlook? Yeah, I missed this over. Um, and that was not fun. I mean, the the game called by Anthony Lynn was just, just absolutely brutal. And the game wound up being like, 
mostly a, a slog. The the difference between like, and I mean, I you know, we talked about this entering the game. I thought it could be offset by the losses of uh, Melvin Ingram and Casey Hayward, but the difference between the Bills offense with John Brown and without John Brown or John Brown, you know, just out there being a decoy or barely playing or, or whatever has been, it's been like about a 10 point difference, um, you know, through what uh, 11 games. Uh, and I mean, yeah, clearly, you know, I was worried that he had a high ankle sprain. I would guess that's, that's what he had because he was placed on IR. He's going to miss, you know, at least um, uh, two more games. And uh, who knows what happens, you know, if, like high ankle sprain. We see guys come back from that all the time and, you know, they're, they're not even remotely as effective as before. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm lowering expectations for the Bills offense going forward. Um, but, you know, that, this game in large part was, was a pretty big disappointment, I think, from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah, well, the fortune of Austin Eckler, which we'll, we'll touch on when we get to the Chargers. Yep, exactly. And, and um, they play the 49ers next. You know, I, I do think that given the throw rates that the Bills have, I mean, they're throwing at a rate so high above expectation and they're using wide receivers so much, not necessarily in the red zone where they've thrown touchdowns to like 12 different tight ends, but uh, they're throwing so much. I still, I have pretty good excitement for Gabe Davis going forward. Let's go to Cincinnati. Brandon Allen's first start, I think, went as expected. Cincinnati's first game without Joe Burrow went as expected, just 136 pass yards. I mean, if you were carrying T. Higgins or uh, Tyler Boyd, or you were had any hopes for Gio Bernard, Brandon Allen, I think, has pretty much tank these when you combine it with the state of the offensive line have to play Miami next which has been one of the better defenses in the NFL anything out of Cincinnati that we can hold on to going forward I just I don't think we're going to be able to play these guys uh, on the Bengals with, with any level of confidence uh, maybe T Higgins um, you know he at least he was the, the one pass catcher that was productive here uh, but I I don't know I, I would probably consider him like a wide receiver four going forward. Um, it's going to be an ugly finish to the season for Cincinnati. Yeah, I don't think much to chew on there. Let's go to Cleveland where there is a lot to chew on, particularly because their game against Tennessee this upcoming week has opened with a massive total. I'm curious what you thought about that. I thought it opened way too high, but you are Evan Walters, the total king. But anyways, last week what I saw was Nick Chubb just tearing through the Jaguars as expected, but Nick Chubb is having a historic season in terms of efficiency, 6.25 yards per carry for Nick Chubb. Modern day running back record is around 6.3 set by Jamal Charles. So, I mean, yeah, Nick Chubb, I, I, I'm hesitant to play Nick Chubb in DFS a ton because he's still splitting work with Kareem Hunt because he doesn't have a big pass game role. But man, Nick Chubb, I, I know Kareem Hunt's very good. Nick Chubb is better, man. I mean, Nick Chubb is just an absolute shredder other thing that was good to see from cleveland was jarvis landry really going nuclear and this we talked about this leading up to the game hey they had had four straight weather games they had games in which baker mayfield threw like 12 times this was a spot without odell for jarvis landry to get going that's exactly what happened what did you see out of cleveland's game and look ahead to the tennessee game in week 13 yeah as for that total i i agree with you when i first eyeballed it i was like it seems a little high but then i did um, the the Browns Titans write up and I I kind of agreed with it um, because I think that both of these offenses are just going to be able to move the ball pretty successfully against each other. Um, Denzel Ward is is still going to be out the Browns top corner. They are getting back Miles Garrett, uh, but then Ronnie Harrison, they're they're starting uh, strong safety. He's out for four to six weeks, the shoulder injury. Um, it was good to see Jarvis Landry have a big game, uh, but I, I would not count on that 
uh, going forward. Baker Mayfield has not gotten to 30 pass attempts in a single game since week five. Um, he missed Rashard Higgins for, you know, that, the, the, that, that missed TD, the, the missed walk-in TD that, like, went viral. But other than that, Baker Mayfield, he, he had a pretty solid game. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Nick Chubb is better than Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb, and, and he's also starting to get used like it because he's got 42 touches over the past two weeks, Kareem Hunt only 24. Yeah, I think that's the way the split should be for sure. It's just there's some random stuff that's happened at the goal line that I think has capped some of Nick Chubb's Mm-hmm. lines but yeah definitely you know tournament only for me in dfs but definitely in play always nick chubb the denver broncos i mean this situation was ridiculous and and this was like saturday night when all these crazy things were happening i hope you guys who are subscribers caught the blog that i did on on saturday night about all the things that were happening with uh Balage being ruled out and eckler getting ruled in and the broncos not having a quarterback and jonathan taylor getting ruled out late and and all these other messes and uh, Tua getting ruled out and ryan fitzpatrick starting but this thing with the broncos quarterback I mean, to make them play without a quarterback is just insane. They complete one pass in the entire game against New Orleans, lose 31 to three. Obviously, there's no takeaways. It's not going to happen again. Drew Locke, I think, will be back for the Sunday night football game against the Chiefs. Injury note that I have here that I think is at least worth noting, Philip Lindsay hurt his knee in this game. And when Philip Lindsay has missed time, we will see Melvin Gordon with an expanded role. They'll mix in Royce Freeman some, but Melvin Gordon will for sure be the bell cow, anything on Denver going forward into week 13? Um, no, but I, I have like a, a somewhat uh, interesting story. Maybe uh, I have a main event team uh, for FFPC with uh, Rich Rebar, Davis Maddock, and um, uh, Pat Thorman that we did together. And we started this, uh, we picked up this dude, Kendall Hinton, and we started him uh, at wide receiver and he got us negative points. <laughs> <laughs> in our in I mean we, like we finished first we finished in first in our league and um we were I mean so we were biting nails coming out we had like Hollister and Jason Myers and Russ and DK Metcalf uh going last night and we we were able to climb out of the hole the the team that we were playing actually had a really good week um but we wound up winning but uh despite Kendall Hinton uh giving us negative points yeah, it just shows you like how hard it is to play quarterback at the NFL level. Kendall Hinton was recruited to Wake Forest, Division One, Power Five school, to play quarterback. Like he was a legit, you know, quarterback prospect. He comes in, he completes one pass in the NFL, and I know he had no practice time or whatever, but it's just hard to play quarterback in the NFL. All right, he's five eleven, one eighty. He's like Marquise Brown's older brother. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's get to this Will Fuller thing, man. You know, it's like. Not like this, man. You know, not like this. I'm going about my day on Monday afternoon, and then I just get the gut punch. Will Fuller suspended six games for Peds, so done for the year. He was fantasy's wide receiver eight on pace for 77 catches, 1,278 yards, 11.6 touchdowns. He went in the sixth round of season-long fantasy football drafts. I mean, just comical multi-condom drafting. That's not even what I'm pissed about. I am pissed because I'm pretty convinced that just about everybody in the NFL is on some form of peds. And for this dumb motherfucker to go out there and get caught, I mean, how are you going to get caught when everybody is doing it and you're the only one that gets caught? And then I'm on tilt because everybody's sending me tweets like the only reason he stayed healthy was because he was on peds. Oh, he would have never oh, stayed God. healthy. Here, here comes the, vic- the, the yeah. photo victory lap for uh, injury prediction Twitter, right? I- injury prediction Twitter feels vindicated because he, he quote unquote wouldn't have stayed healthy if it wasn't for the peds, man. So it's just... 
I mean, just an absolute comedy of errors. I, I will say maybe there's some solace in that the upcoming schedule was brutal. Not that, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to make myself feel better. They play the Colts, the Bears, the Colts, the next three. Not great. Obviously, he still could have performed very well, but it's just sickening, man. I mean, so give me your Will Fuller comments, and then I want to get to what they'll do afterwards because they don't have Kenny Stills. Randall Cobb's on IR. They're down to like total dust at wide receiver. But yeah, how do you feel about Will Fuller? And I'm sure, I mean, I didn't play that much season long, but I have him on every team. And best ball, it's like everything's mm-hmm. ruined. I mean, best ball season is canceled. Yeah, I mean, and if you've noticed, like the NFL has handed down very, very few uh, PED suspensions this year. Actually, very few suspensions at all. I mean, usually like on a week by week basis, like, you know, at least every other week, someone will be getting suspended for something. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I haven't heard of one banned substances uh, uh, suspension like all year. Um, you know, and, and now, now we have the, the PEDs with, uh, with Will Fuller. I, I don't know. I'm still holding out hope that he can uh, appeal it and, and come back, you know, but um, I, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, I, I haven't gotten that far into my research yet. Uh, I, I just assume that, you know, Brandon Cooks is going to see, you know, he's going to be in line for like double digit targets every week. And we're going to see a lot of Jordan Akins. I mean, they have very, very little wide receiver depth, as, especially as you mentioned, after they cut. Uh, Kenny Stills. Yeah. So I, I think that Kiki Kute is a good player. I'm not sure that he can be a full-time outside player. Like he profiles much more as a slot guy. And so I think what we'll see is Kiki Kute in the Randall Cobb role in the slot role. And then the Will Fuller will go to either Stephen Mitchell or Isaiah Coulter. Um, and they'll run like clear out routes or whatever. But yeah, I mean, Brandon Cooks, they've used all over the field. It's definitely a boost for Brandon Cooks. Again, the schedule is not great. Colts, Bears, Colts, the next three. Obviously, this hurts Deshaun Watson as well. I mean, Deshaun Watson splits with and without Will Fuller in his career are just off the charts. So, yeah, sad times, you know, all around. And shout out to Deshaun, who's really had a great year. I think despite all the all the issues going on with Bill O'Brien, with losing DeAndre Hopkins, now with this, and just a mess. All right, Colts. Uh, Jonathan Taylor lands on the COVID list. And, man, Naheem Hines has, like, the perfect setup for fantasy. Played 75% of the snaps, got two goal line carries. They both failed, but did get two goal line carries. 10 targets for a 23% share. When you play with Phillip Rivers, who targets running backs at like the highest rate in the league, and your natural skill set is pass catching, it's like impossible for you to fail. And that's exactly what happened with Naheem Hines. Other thing that I wanted to say on the Colts, Michael Pittman only had two catches for 28 yards, zero touchdowns, but nine targets, ton of air yards. Upcoming schedule is Texans, Raiders, Texans. So listen, target shares in India are incredibly hard to predict because Philip Rivers throws to like 10 guys, but I want to leave the light on for Michael Pittman. What'd you see out of the Colts? No, I just kind of reflect, uh, you know, all the, all of your commentary, commentary there. T.Y. Hilton had like his best game in like years, uh, but the vast majority of it kind of came in garbage time. And um, this Jacoby Brissett thing at the goal line, like Frank Reich was asked about it after the game. He said, no, we're, we're going to keep doing that. So um, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. um, By okay. the way, Washington withered Philip Philip Rivers. Um, he's been like actually good in fantasy. Lately. Yeah. It's weird. I know. It's just hard to, it's hard to use him in DFS tournaments because you don't know where the ball is going. I mean, I guess this week you did with Naheem Hines, but besides that, I mean, all right. It should be Pittman though. Jacksonville. I think Mike Glennon played better and more aggressively than a lot of people expected. I mean, he threw the ball 
down the field. He was competent. It didn't really work out for Keelan Cole or LaVisca, or I guess it worked out for Colin Johnson. We'll see on the status of DJ Chark on Chris Conley. The other thing I want to note is another huge game for James Robinson. And, and you know, um, maybe I've been underselling his usage. I mean, 95% of your team's running back carries and 4.3 targets per game. I mean, that's a ton of work. I mean, like historic work for James Robinson in terms of share of your team's touches. What do you see out of Mike Glennon and Jacksonville? Yeah, Glennon uh, played a lot better than I would have anticipated. He he did catch the Browns without their top two pass defenders, as we, as we discussed going into the game, uh, and Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. Uh, but, I mean, he was without, you know, DJ Shark and, you know, um, Chris Conley. And, um, you know, I mean, he's, he's Mike Goose Glennon. Uh, but he he played pretty darn well, and you're right. He threw the ball downfield. Um, he was aggressive. Uh, you know, I, he's the type of guy that the more he plays, the the you know the worse he gets. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the, the Jaguars they 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 risk like getting a win there. I mean, they only lost by two points. They might have to go back to Jake Luton to, to finish up this tank. <laughs> yeah, they play the Vikings this week too, which I think they're like ten point dogs. But you know. Vikings, I mean, they can definitely beat the Vikings. I mean, God. Yep. Um, okay. Kansas City. And we have seen a real change in Tyreek Hill usage, in my opinion. I mean, he is seeing 30, 40% target shares on a regular basis in the NFL's most pass-happy offense. That's not what we used to see. We used to see Tyreek Hill way lower in, you know, last year in terms of target share. So, you know, he's playing with Patrick Mahomes. He's playing the NFL's most pass-happy offense. He's seeing 30-plus percent target shares. I mean, it's just a lock for him to smash. By the way, I wanted to note, Sammy Watkins was back. Byron Pringle was out. Nicole Hardman, only 19 routes to run. Tyreek, 52. D-Rob, 46. Watkins, 43. So, yeah, I mean, they're just not in on Hardman at all, no matter what the situation is. What do you see out of Kansas City's win over the Bucks? Yeah, just the continued full-on embrace of an extreme pass-heavy offense because nobody can stop it. So, Keep doing it. It's amazing that Tyreek Hill is number one in the NFL in receiving yards and Travis Kelsey is number two. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to win MVP again. Um, and, you know, we remember we talked a little bit about before the season in, in season-long drafts, the, the ultimate ultimate start to any draft would be to get, what, Tyreek in the first, Kelsey in the second, and Mahomes in the third, and it was doable. I mean mm-hmm. – I saw Daigle do it in this live live draft that we attended. I saw uh, Michael Salfino of um, uh, Yahoo draft. I mean, it, it wasn't impossible. Uh, but man, if you if you have that right now, you are fucking rolling for sure. Yeah, and also on Ceh, I mean, our FFPC team, which we thought had a real chance to win, it was a rust stack with Ceh and Camara, and now Ceh and Camara like are barely usable, and we're dead because um, they're using Daryl Williams, the mentor. Uh, also so frustrating end to the season for our team there pour one out the Raiders an unfathomable egg laid by the Raiders like I don't think the Raiders are very good I could not have seen this coming six points at Atlanta Josh Higgins banged up his ankle says he's okay but we'll see I mean Devontae Booker I think is worth adding for sure they play the Jets next but man I don't know what happened to the Raiders other than just like a random fluke did you see anything that made you say this is what happened to the Raiders in this game <laughs> I mean, they just kept giving the ball to the Falcons. Um, four lost fumbles and an interception, and that'll do it, you know. Um, Falcons, you know, Falcons didn't even particularly play particularly well. I, I guess defensively you could say that they did, but, I mean, they, they, they didn't light anything up on offense. Uh, 
it was a crazy, crazy result. Uh, I think a lot of people were on the Raiders in that spot, um, you know, to kind of bounce back after, uh, after that uh, narrow loss to Kansas city, but man, that, that was, yeah, I get there. They, they've got they, the Raiders have been an interesting team. They've, they've been frisky and they played some good teams really, really well, but man, that, that was a horrible, horrible loss. Yeah. And Darren Waller was like 27% owned in cash at six K and, I mean, just a disaster there for sure. And struggles continue for Mr. Waller, who has certainly not had the same type of explosive fantasy season, at least as he had last year. All right, the Chargers. Uh, you know, it's a reminder, at least to me, like the Christian McCaffrey, when he first came back, oh, he's going to rotate series with with Mike Davis. No, you know, not true. You know, and, and then uh, Eckler comes back. Oh, he's not going to be a bell cow. You know, nonsense. Eckler, 72% of the snaps. 16 targets for a 31% share, career high in touches in his first game back. And I think the thing is, like, people just don't know. Like, when these guys come back and they feel good and they tell their coaches in the game they feel good, obviously you're going to play Eckler over Tremaine Pope and Josh Kelly, you know? So I think it's a little bit hard to predict before the game, but I talked about in the solo pod how it's worth gambling on, you know, because, yeah, you could get Chris Carson situation where he's eased in a little bit like he was on Monday night, but you can also get McCaffrey and Eckler situations where they come back. And Debo Samuel, too came back on Sunday and came back from his first game off and he went ham too. So exciting for Eckler. He gets New England, Atlanta, Las Vegas, Denver, Kansas City. Pretty good schedule the rest of the way. What do you see out of the Chargers and how Austin Eckler affects the rest of the guys on this offense? Yeah, I mean, the the target share was down for Keenan Allen, but I mean, he still saw double-digit targets uh, with Eckler back. Um I'm not too worried about Keenan Allen. I, th- I think he's going to continue to to crush. Um, yeah, you know Austin Eckler. I I think the the, the like see Kalen Balage, um, who had had seen a ton of usage over the previous two weeks, he practiced every day uh, last week, albeit lim- on a limited basis. But I mean, he was in practice all week, and usually dudes that are even when they're listed as questionable and they're limited all week. I mean, usually they end up playing. But I think that the green light for for Austin Eckler went on when uh, when it became clear that Kalen Blage was not going to play, um, and that just opened up the the floodgates because you know they don't trust Josh Kelly and Tremaine Pope is a uh, you know like a special teamer, and they just you know they they gave like uh, Austin Eckler the the first series he crushed and they had no reason to to go away from him. Yeah. And you see these guys, I mean, these are the kind of guys that we want to play in fantasy. Eckler, uh, Naheem Hines, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara with Drew Brees. You know, like these are the kind of guys that I just love playing. You create such a ceiling when they can catch so many passes in a game and be game flow yeah. independent. You remember, you remember, was it, it was last year when, uh, not this past uh, season, but the, the previous uh, offseason leading into the year where people didn't want to draft Austin Eckler because he couldn't, couldn't run between the tackles. Like we don't want our running backs running between the tackles. We we want them out in space catching passes. He's like the ultimate ultimate fantasy running back. Yeah, love it. Okay, Miami Dolphins. You know Ryan Fitzpatrick. Of course, of course. If you listen to this, you knew Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to come in and just shred. And no surprise there at all. Lifts up Devonte Parker. Of course, I thought Mike Jasicki had an okay game. I think he only caught two passes. But man, the Dolphins are like. I don't know if they're lying or what they're trying to do, but Brian Flores says it's still Tua Tagliavoa's job when healthy. We will see because Miami's in the playoff hunt and Ryan Fitzpatrick clearly gives them 
the best chance to win. Injury I'm watching with Miami is Miles Gaskin. I mean, they don't seem to want to give Matt Breida any form of a real workload. DeAndre Washington played ahead of Matt Breida for much of that game. What did you see out of Miami? Yeah, it wasn't enough to beat the um, the Mahomes Tyreek teams, but uh, the Fitzpatrick to Devontae Parker stack was uh, was solid, and um, I, I would expect them to continue to have a lot of success. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is like the perfect quarterback for Devontae Parker, who isn't necessarily a big time uh, separation receiver. And I thought uh, Tua made some interesting comments recently, by the way, where he was like, you know, if I, if I see a guy open, I'm gonna throw it. And if not, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to wait. And I was like, mm, that doesn't sound great. Actually, you know, like you should be willing to trust your receiver. I mean, think about what he had at Alabama, like Jerry Judy and I don't know, this uh, Devonte Smith guy and uh, Henry Ruggs, just the ultimate separation receivers. You know, he's, he's going to need to learn to, to pull the trigger uh, to uh, throwing the ball to receivers that, that, you know, seem to be covered and that's the, exactly the way that Devontae Parker plays. And that's what makes Ryan Fitzpatrick such a good match for him. Yeah, and they play Cincinnati in Miami this week upcoming. So it should be a big, another big chance for Ryan Fitzpatrick and the pass game, assuming he gets the start. All right, New England. I mean, Cam is just, uh, I know you guys give me a lot of shit about Cam. Cam is just, I mean, 84 passing yards. He's now been under 175 pass yards in seven out of 10 games this season. Um, I know they won the game. And they did a great job on Kyler. And we'll talk more about that in the AFC, in the NFC pod. But yeah, I mean, this cam is just not it. And that's why people, some people ask me, well, why don't I consider Jacoby Myers in cash? And I thought he was okay, but I just don't trust cam whatsoever. But Jacoby did spike back up to a 33% share, which was good to see. And another good, good sign, you know, pages have identified that Damian Harris is so much better than Sony Michelle. The problem is they're using him in the Sony Michelle role, which means he doesn't get targets really hard to trust in fantasy, what you see out of New England? Yeah, Cam uh, also has not been an upside play uh, this year. Even in some games where he's had like, you know, one, one or two rushing touchdowns, he has not been uh, above the quarterback eight on the week since I believe week two against Seattle. Um, so he 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 actually has been a, a decent floor play. He's been a top t- uh, or top fourteen quarterback on the week in seven of ten starts. He was not a good floor play. This past week, he was a, a basement play uh, this week. But um, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I, I kind of like this Patriots-Chargers game that's coming up. Uh, the Chargers have a tendency to give up a lot of points, uh, even though they've got a lot of individual talent on defense. And Justin Herbert remains a stud, despite you know the, the coaching staff like actively working against him. Um, I don't know. It, it'll be. I think it's going to be an interesting game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I... – Chargers have been bungling this, their talent for so long, and I hope they get a regime change for sure. We'll talk about the the Lions much needed regime change as well in the NFC pod. Jets, they're going to end up with Trevor Lawrence, man. I mean, they're, they have not won a game, and Sam Darnold, you know, looks worse than Joe Flacco, if that's possible. Like, I would not have said that. I would not have even fathomed that, but Sam Darnold looks worse than Joe Flacco. I mean, they're out here giving 21 touches to Frank Gore. Um, Denzel Mims looks like he can play, and he has a really good role. Um, they get the Raiders at home, so like there's some chance, but yeah, I mean they're they're clearly going for Trevor Lawrence. What do you see out of the Jets? Adam Gase is just such a he's a jerk, you know. <laughs> they they scored 28 and 27 against the Chargers and Patriots with Dowell Loggins calling plays over the previous two games. 
Adam Gase probably because you know he, he you know due to first egotistical reasons like oh you know they're we're scoring points now I got to take back the reins they, and they put up a fucking three with ten first downs against uh, the Dolphins against the Dolphins I mean and then after the game the reporters ask him yo like you know Dell Loggins was just standing there you know clearly you took back play call he's like he lied about it he fucking lied and said that he did not take back play calling. Um, I mean, just what a jerk. Like, you know, how, how, how could you, like, I looked up the, uh, the, the, the value of the Cowboys franchise recently. I think it was like 9 billion or something. I mean, what are the Jets? Like 1 billion? You know, are they worth like maybe 1 or 2 billion? Like, how can you have this, this asshole as the front man for your $2 billion, you know, uh, enterprise? Just what, an, what, a, what a fucking laughing stock. The dude yeah, is you know- what, what an asshole. You know, you know why. It doesn't matter. They're going to print money no matter what. It's the right. NFL. And exactly. It's, a printing, exactly. it's a printing press. But yeah, I do think starting fresh regime change with Trevor Lawrence, maybe they'll get their head on straight in Jets, although I'm not uh, optimistic. Um, all right, we'll skip the Steelers. Again, they play Wednesday against the Ravens. As we mentioned, no James Conner in that game. Last one we're going to do here on the AFC is Tennessee, and it's big dog season, man. It is Hember after all. I mean, he absolutely shredded the Colts. And we talked about this on Friday with the pieces that the Colts are missing three defensive linemen out for them. Maybe not a surprise that Derrick Henry goes 27-178-3. I mean, this schedule coming up, home versus Browns, I don't think is great. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not great. Then Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay, and Houston. I mean, this is setting up for Derrick Henry to win fantasy leagues again for people. What did you see out of the Titans game against the Colts? I had not heard that term before, uh, D. Hember. Oh, God, you, Kitchen, your old boy from the Swolecast. That's like his favorite thing to say. It's D. Hember, oh, baby. Man. It's D. Hember. Oh, man. Uh, well, I do know that uh, Derek Henry has played uh, 17 career regular season games in the month of December, and he scored 19 touchdowns in them. Um, and also he is crushed in, in January as well. I mean, it's like – you know, it's like a like you know. Imagine, I mean, you know, all all the bodies are beat up. You know, late in the season, you know, they're probably dealing with the COVID fog, and then all of a sudden, this you know, this like you know, two hundred fifty pound iceberg who runs like four four, you know, four four five coming at you. I mean, just ole, you know, you be the matador. Just you, you, you can go. All right. I mean, that's that's what the defenders are going to be saying to Derrick Henry. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's 9,200 on DraftKings this week, which is extremely expensive for Derrick Henry, but it's always a scary fade on, on Derrick Henry. Always one of the scariest fades in fantasy. I'll also note for the Titans, AJ Brown did get banged up, but did come back into the game. Um, so it looks like he's going to be okay, but something to watch there on AJ Brown, who, you know, is clearly a grown ass man. Okay. That is going to do it for this AFC team by team podcast. We'll be back for subscribers with the NFC team by team podcast for Producer Luke, for Evan, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.